The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 23. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. As always, I'm joined with the co-host with the most, Mr. Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. Andy, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's the final countdown, Duncan. <laughs> it's the final yeah, countdown. You should have that playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are now... Uh, so this is the penultimate review episode. We have yeah. only one more left after this, so three movies left after this show to discuss, and we will have uh, we have, will have racked all seventy two of the the video nasties under our belts, sir. In one year, that's quite an impressive feat. Pretty, pretty good going. It's not bad, yeah. It's not bad. Also, let's not let's not pat ourselves too much in the back here, Andy. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's an achievement that we managed to sit through most of them because. Oh god, yeah, and like we said before, I think um, under any ordinary circumstance, a lot of these movies would have been switched off. Yeah, I wouldn't have got to the end of them, and I really do deplore the idea of switching off a movie because I always think that if you switch off, you are you're letting the terrorist win, Andy. Um, <laughs> you're you're uh, no, if you switch it off, you're in this position where you will never know if there is something in the movie which, on some level, makes the viewing even remotely worthwhile you know sometimes all it takes is a kill in a shitty movie but the kill's done in such a unique way that i'm like that right the movie sucked but at least i got to see that kill yeah um some of these movies have not even had that (laughs) no that's the problem isn't it there's no redeeming features and a lot of them get to the point where you think there's nothing that can save this now Mm. you know you're halfway through and you think there's there's nothing that can they can possibly do because it's like you know, apart from if it was something like Snuff, where they completely do like a U-turn in the last five minutes. Yeah. But you know a film was not really going to do that. You know, you can tell, can't you, pretty much most of the way through. I mean, 
you know, one of the films tonight, I just thought, oh, fuck, so this isn't, there's nothing that can really happen here. But to be fair, something weird did happen at the end of one of the films. But I mean, it's still, I don't know if you could argue, did it make it worth it? I'm not sure. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure I've got through some shite. Um, yeah, and we've got uh, like another three movies to discuss tonight. So we're going to be doing um, the original Toolbox Murders. Mm. Um, I just want to stress that I got a bit confused, right? Um, that when I illegally downloaded my file to watch it, yeah, I'm sorry, I illegally downloaded this one. Um, we have to though, a lot of them you can't get hold of. Yeah, I had I, I downloaded this one, and at the on the opening scene, I thought this looks a bit clean. <laughs> this this kind of, to realise that I'd actually downloaded the Hooper remake because okay. um, some cunt um, out there had listed it for free, so you're not that bad a cunt, uh, but you had listed it as the 1978 version, and it was the fucking 2004 version. Um, me, you're Maybe so- they were doing you a favour. I, d- I don't I don't know. I, d- I don't really like the Toby Hooper one either, I'm afraid. It's all right. Because uh, I, I watched it, I, I watched it, like, because I had it downloaded, so I have watched the remake, and I don't really like that movie. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking about Toolbox Murders from 1978. We're going to be talking about Unhinged from 1982, and it's worth mentioning that once again, Jeff the Goat from Kiss the Goat podcast has saved our bacon. I don't um, know where he's getting all these shit films from. I, I just imagine him like because I know what he shows about. I just imagine him having to do like some kind of Faustian pact with Satan to get <laughs> copies of these for us because he gets them really quick. I'm he's like got that. like a thousand terabyte hard drive. It's just everything it has to send like someone wade your way into the terabytes and find me unhinged um <laughs> because I, I was this is like about the third week in a row jeff has like saved us um and i basically said i was like unhinged he's like i've never even heard of this movie and i was like it's from 1982 and before i could type the next thing he's like i oh, found out you haven't a couple of a couple hours and within <laughs> an hour i had it so thank you for saving us, Jeff. So Unhinged from 1982. And the final movie, also from 1982, is a little movie called Visiting Hours, which stars the Shat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Does the Shatster and uh, Ironside as Ironside well. and the Shat. Yeah, the, the, the dream Canadian team. Um, I was loving it. Absolutely loving it. Um, so, yeah, so we've got those three movies to discuss. But, Andy, like we do at the beginning of every show, we like to shoot the shit. We like to give people some sort of positive part of the show because <laughs> there's not much else yeah really um so what have you been up to what have you been checking out what's what's new what's happening what's shaking what's moving been buying quite a few blu-rays and finally got around to watching quite a few as well um mm-hmm. i was inspired by i think we talked about the my bloody valentine remake uh, i think it might have been last week's episode last uh, you know two weeks ago where we kind of said that's the kind of slasher that i wish people were making mm-hmm. um and I watched it for the first time probably in years. I bought the Blu-ray. It's only like a couple of quid on Amazon. Yeah, it's a really good film, that. I really like it. I remember going to the cinema to the, watch the, it. The remake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw it in full 3D. Yeah, um, so did I. Yeah, I think it's one of the first kind of 3D films to, to kind of come out in the horror, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, I think it was between that and potentially... Final Destination 4. Which I is think. awful. I yeah, I remember seeing the two of them in kind of close proximity. That and Drive Angry, uh, the, the, <laughs> the Nicolas Cage devil car movie thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I remember I remember seeing it at the cinema and there was there was a lot about that movie that instantly made me smile, like the inclusion of someone like Tom Atkins into the, 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 the film, which if you're 
if you're a horror fan, you're a horror fan in the 80s. Um, you know, the inclusion of a Tom Atkins is great. To me, and I might get like shitloads of abuse for this, I don't necessarily think that My Bloody Valentine, the original, is that great a movie. To, to be honest, I think it's I think there's some elements of that are really cool, yeah. but it telegraphs the killer within the first ten minutes of that movie, like obviously telegraphs out the, the killer. That yeah. <clears throat> it, it's one of those ones I've always said that if you're going to remake a movie, uh, why remake? Never remake a Jaws because you're never going to you're never going to better Jaws. You're no. never going to do it. So pick something that can be. Worked with, and My Bloody Valentine is a movie that I think there was a, enough elements in it that could have used with a bit of updating. I quite liked what they did. I quite liked the fact that it, it never got a sequel either, because I, 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 I felt at the end of that movie, oh, we could be getting a sequel, and this is where it'll all go wrong. quite like the fact that it's self-contained. Yeah. And of those kind of more obscure, even though it's not the, the most obscure, of the, the lesser known, let's put it that way, slasher remakes that came out in that time frame, it's, it's probably one of the best. I mean, if you watch, like, Prom Night, the Prom Night remake is fucking shite. Terrible. It's terrible compared to the original. I mean, this so, is great. Like, they, they, they didn't make the mistake of making it for kids. This is an 18 certificate movie in England. Mm-hmm. Um, because it contains, you know, strong, gory violence, horror, naked ladies. You know, it's they, they didn't... And I think that's what happens too much nowadays is that they go for the PG-13 shit just so they can fill cinemas. And you know, and you just miss out. You don't get it. That's the, the fucking kills are great in this. I mean, you know, pinning someone to the ceiling by a pickaxe, launching a pickaxe through the back of someone's head. That's the kind of shit I want to see in a horror film. I don't want to see something dumbed down for kids. So, you know, my bloody Valentine. I reckon. Yeah, I can't really think of any. You know, it's up there with some of the best, the best slashes of the two thousands, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Splinter, I watched as well. Right, how is that? I have got a listener on the, the podcast under the stairs page that has been telling me that I need to see this film, good or bad. He says he wants my opinions on it for ages. And I, I keep, it's on my queue. I have okay. all set up. Um, I've just never watched it. Is, it. is it worth checking out? I think it's fucking great. Like The action kicks off within like 25 minutes. It's all proper full on. Like you're right in the middle of it. Um it's made, It's pretty much, I'd say, apart from like a weird shot at the end, which I don't know why they did it as CGI, like it was unnecessary, but there obviously there must have been a reason. Apart from that, everything is just practical and it's fucking brilliant, horrible makeup, and it's just awesome. Like, like do you know what it's about at all? Uh, yeah, I know. I know the premise of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a kind of sort of Evil Dead kind of the thing. It's almost like splice, like really um, claustrophobic as well. They're just like stuck in a gas station once everything kicks off. The creature, or you know, like or the infection, or whatever you want to call it, like it's just like the effects are fucking brilliant. It's really fucking creepy the way it moves. It's almost got that like weird J horror thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's fucking awesome. I think you'll really like it. You know, I'm, uh, I think you need to get it watched. I think you'll love it actually. Ah, oh, well, that'll be up on the list for this week then. <laughs> yeah. Cool, and then uh, the third one that I watched that's probably worth mentioning is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I finally busted out my Arrow Blu-ray. Oh, right, the remake, yeah, the Donald Sutherland one. Yeah, it's so good. Such a fucking amazing movie. It's such a good, like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an example of how a horror film should be structured, I think. I think it's fucking awesome. Hmm. So good, so well acted, um, like, really good characters in it. Like, it's creepy, the effects are great. Uh, it's just fucking brilliant. Like you know, 1978 again. We're back in the 70s for me. It's just the pinnacle yeah. of uh, of horror movie making. Really good. Have you seen anything worth mentioning? 
Oh, Andy, what are you doing to me? Um, uh, since the last show, probably not that much. I, I've been... I, obviously, I do it every year. I spend so much time in October watching so many fucking movies. I cram yeah. in so much that when it hits November, I, I kind of take my foot off the pedal a little bit and kind of ease back into a more manageable um, amount of movies. Uh, yeah. I have been checking out some stuff for my own show. Uh, so I'm doing um, a, a, an upcoming episode, which is continuing the look at um, the works of Filchy. So okay. I've got oh. three of his kind of latter day jallos coming up. Basically, three movies, three of his movies that he made just before he passed away. Yeah. So, um, so I, I've been doing that. I had Johnny Krug on, whose promo will be played shortly. Um, so Johnny Krug as well. Yeah, re- re- recorded. Um, I know. Yeah, Kruger Nation dropped a new episode, which was was a. Uh, I love like Johnny's fucking brilliant um, at the best of times. But when he's like that, yeah, I'm thinking about dropping a new Kruger Nation, and the next day there's one there, and you're just like. Is he not already done a Friday the Thirteenth retro? I don't think so. I thought he had. I remember. Oh. I remember it being counted through because he did. I'm sure he did because I remember having the Japanese poster for like the. He's done. A, he's done Nightmare on Elm Street. I think. Oh, I'm sure, he done a Friday the Thirteenth. Not Maybe. that it matters because it's amazing. To talk, it's yeah, I, I would. I would hear him talk about. I see if Johnny Craig wanted to do it every year. I would be quite happy to listen to it every year. Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of other podcasts that are kind of rerunning the train on the same thing that have already done a retro one, and it doesn't, like, if you're a fan of the film, it's not a problem, is it? You'd yeah. love to hear, you know, well, cool the, people talking yeah. about good films. So. On, on this on this very network, the Banana Laser guys have been going back over Halloween again, picking out bits and bobs to do with the, the movies, and uh, I think Skeleton Crew looked at some more of the Friday movies. And I think the thing is, you, you know yourself, your tastes change as time goes on. Like yeah. There are certain movies you don't like when you're a teenager that when you watch as an adult, you're like, well, no, it means more to me because the message is aimed maybe more at an adult mind than yeah, it is at a teenage it, mind. Yeah, a, film, a film that you couldn't even be arsed with can often like really come up to the top of your favourites list, can't it? Ten of years course, later, yeah. So, so I, I don't think there's ever a reason not to approach movies plus you've got to remember as well and, and the and the, the terms of a podcast there's only so much time you can talk on a podcast about a movie <clears throat> that people will actually sit and listen to that doesn't necessarily mean you've exhausted all your points on the movie so coming no, back to revisit it six months down the line and bring more ideas or more of your opinion to it is never a bad thing so yeah um i recorded uh a, a, another black exploitation episode with johnny where we did uh blackenstein the black frankenstein <laughs> and a uh, dr black and mr hyde i'll go and say right right now dr black and mr hyde is a fucking amazing movie is it oh i've never seen it so fucking it's up in its entirety on YouTube, Andy. Okay. And you need to see, you need to see this. I think me and John, neither one of us had seen it, and we just spent a good forty five minutes gushing over how fucking amazing the movie is. I'll watch and, it before I listen to you guys then. Yeah, yeah. Skip Blackenstein. That's not very good. Um, no, okay. But yeah, Doctor Black and uh, and Mister Hyde's fucking amazing. So yeah, so did, so did that. So check those ones out. Um, Try to think. I spoke about. We obviously spoke about Bone Tomahawk last time. 
Yeah. Yeah, which is fucking awesome. I've been um, recommending it to everyone. I'm the same. Gotta watch it. I spent I spent um about twenty minutes last night telling Baz why he needs to see this movie and why we need to discuss it at the end of the year. Because I know he's gonna love it. It's got so he even said it himself, he watched the trailer and he was like, That looks fucking badass. I was like, the trailer gives nothing away. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went to my uh, get my tattoo done last week and my tattoo fellow always says, You you seen anything good recently? I just went bone tomahawk that's all you need to know get bone tomahawk like i can't imagine i, I just it's, it's one of them ones when you recommend it to someone i can't see anyone turning around and saying they didn't like it yeah definitely definitely i i would agree with that the, the, the thing that i wanted to discuss though andy my good friend go on um is, is something that and we have uh been there have been things pointed out as well but we we are a bit of a fan of the arrow yes we, we, we do like, and when I say the Arrow, I don't mean Arrow the TV show, I mean Arrow Video. That's it. The UK, basically, you go to, guys, if you want fucking retro movies done well with special features and a good transfer. Yeah, well, Arrow did the... the uh, we knew it was coming. We knew it was eventually going to happen. Um, it was only a matter of time. But Arrow finally announced their first US-only title. Yeah. Which... You know, as a collector, as an Arrow collector, kind of it, it wounded me. It, it hurt me to my very core. It's not a movie I would rush out and buy, but the fact that it's now a movie that Arrow has put out that you can't get in the UK unless you are multi-region. Yeah, is you know, it's uh, it, it kind of you know it wounded me a wee bit, um, and then it got me thinking. If this proves successful, which I imagine it probably will, because Arrow's doing quite well over there, yeah, there are going to be more titles that are going to go that way. It's hard, and it is as hard. <laughs> no, Andy, you can't cry in this episode. I cried in the last episode, <laughs> um, but it is, it's it's one of these things where I I kind of felt like, oh shit, this is this is it now. You know that we we have we have crossed over the Rubicon. Yeah. Um, and I kind of felt like this is like obviously we get it with Scream Factory, like Scream Factory will announce things and we're like, oh no, but, you know I really want to own that. Why is it not being released in the UK? But then we have always had that backup of well, at least we've got Arrow. Yeah. And now Arrow's doing titles like that. So yeah, I thought I thought it was quite interesting. And like I say, the title which the name escapes me um, wasn't one that I would instantly rush out and buy. Um, it did get me wondering how that was going to go moving forward, you know, if we were going to see more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it does make you think, because a lot of their, a lot of Arrow stuff is, is, was multi-region anyway, wasn't it? Like, there's, there are yeah. obviously a lot of their stuff is region B as well, but there was a lot of stuff that you could get. So, yeah, I'm sure they're just doing what they need to do to make the cash. You know, if they can't get the rights to it in both countries, then, you know, you can't blame them for just going Putting to the it out, Yeah, because the thing is, if they don't put it out, someone else will. Yeah. Um, and the the, com- the competitive market for companies doing what Arrow do in the in the states uh, is quite high. There's a lot of companies doing that just now. There's not a hell of a lot of those companies over in Europe and the UK. So I, I, yeah, I could I could kind of see that. It did it did spark me. It's quite interesting. What I did think though is after me and you saying you know they have literally this year spoiled us. Like the the, the releases of things have just been fucking ridiculous this year yeah um and then out of nowhere the 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 one that the, the blood rage the one that's been delayed and better delayed and all the rest are like oh by the way blood rage has been up to it's getting a, a, a 
limited edition special release fancy booklet fancy you know sleeve and all the track and everything isn't yeah it? There, there you go we'll just put this out for the same price and you can buy that movie like cheap that's not yeah. an expensive movie at all. And, uh, like I come back to, I think that's one of the reasons they'll always be like my favourite company. I think what they do is that if they do delay something, um, when they come back, there is either a reason why they've delayed it and it's visible, it's evident. When you look at a Deep Red being the great example, the 4K Restoration one, they're yeah. like that, we're delaying it off about a month. Look at what you're getting for this delay, and you're like, "Oh, well, that's more than you advertise." So fuck yeah. yeah um, so yeah, I, I, I thought that was I thought that was really great as well. The last thing I want to mention though um, is that in the last week, well, sorry, just just over the last week, um, we lost a, a a fairly big name in in cult horror cinema yeah. with, with Gunnar Hansen, and it's worth noting that even though. Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't a video nasty. It was banned in the UK. It was, yeah. That was that when I was a kid. That was the fucking move. That was like the holy grail if you got to see that. Yeah, and I mean, it didn't get really. It eventually appeared on memory serves. It appeared and then it got shown on Channel Four. Yeah. I remember it getting shown on Channel because I remember I remember being drunk out my tits watching <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at like midnight on Channel Four, and just that movie fucked me up. Um, so I, do you know what? Right, just interrupt me quickly. <laughs> I um, went to America when I think when I was about seventeen, so probably in about nineteen ninety eight, maybe mm-hmm. um, when all stuff like The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw. And a few others that I can't really think of, but you know, some big named movies were completely banned in the UK. Yeah, I went to America, like just went and had a look in one of the Virgin Megastores or whatever, and I was like, "Oh my god, they've got them all!" <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" They just had Exorcist; you could just buy it, like just normal. They had like Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, two, three, and four. I didn't even know there was a number two in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> let alone, like, four fucking sequels. You can imagine, like, my fucking delight. I could, I literally couldn't believe it. I thought, hang on a minute, these movies, they're completely banned in the UK and you can just buy them in the local fucking high street shop. Obviously, NTSC, mm-hmm. I still fucking bought them and then I just went out and bought an NTSC video player when I got back to England, probably for about 200 quid, which at the time was a fucking ridiculous price to pay, like, some <laughs> video player. But I think I like filled my suitcase with about fifteen movies mm-hmm. for next to nothing, and I f- and I also found even better that if I went to like a local video shop, like a blockbuster, they were selling videos for like two dollars. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. So I like like the the child's play films. I think were still banned in the UK at that point. So I got those. I got The Exorcist. I came back with the first three Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. I was the fucking tits mate, like to my mate. So I was like, you'll never guess what I've got. <laughs> They're not even bootlegs. They're proper versions. It is insane. So yeah, I can believe it. Like so ahead of its like I mean, just normal for America. Like, but because there wasn't like the internet wasn't that big. Like, so I wasn't really aware of like what was banned and what wasn't. I fucking couldn't believe it. So yeah, to get this film like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, a year a year later they all got released pretty much, didn't they? In England, yeah. it wasn't too much after that when then it was just normal. But at the time. To have a copy of those and a legit copy. So yeah, the Texas Chainsaw was one of the ones where it's just like, oh my god, I've got a fucking copy of this. And like the front cover alone just makes you think, oh, this is insane. It wasn't actually what I expected. I think I've told you this before. Like when I first watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I just thought it was going to be like a Friday the 13th movie with a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. 
and I think I was disappointed actually. Um, but obviously now, like you know, and probably only a few years later, I you know I appreciated it for what it was, and it's probably up there with one of my favourite you know horror films of the seventies, mm-hmm. probably of all time really, just because of how like powerful it is. But I can't even remember what you were saying. I just went, <laughs> oh yeah, but. <laughs> Sorry, it just reminded me how excited I was to just go to America and just nip into Virgin just to see what they had and just be blown away by all these films that were banned in the UK and you could just buy them for like ten dollars. Mental. Yeah, I think I think the 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 kind of the the big point I was trying to make was obviously that Gunnar Hansen passed away. Um, It was I I, I mean that to me is he is and always will be Leatherface to me. Yeah, Uh, I know he didn't he didn't do the roles. You know, as many times as other people have, but um, the best. Yeah, it was the to me, he was the best. There's something creepy and unsettling about the way he just moves in this kind of, you know, it's kind of there's there's a weird poetry to the way he moves. You know, as a character, it's clumsy, clumsy, but very agile at the same time for a big guy i mean that's what i mean like i think people forget like how important it is how acting with your body i mean people talk about which jason they prefer because the way he moves and obviously leatherface and then and like the cenobites as well Mm -hmm. like the cenobites in in the hellraiser movies like say nothing and you can't even see their faces or their eyes but just the way like the movements and stuff i think it is so important and yeah, he just nailed it almost like a weird basically a retard and he like leatherface but like fucking terrifying yeah just like you say just because of how he you know articulated his body in that film so yeah it is a shame yeah especially when someone dies i mean it's you know it's less it's less shocking when it's old age because you know obviously it's always sad when somebody dies but when somebody dies at 90 you kind of go well you know they were 90 but i think he was only like 68 wasn't he yeah, I think that was that was the the, the big thing about you know obviously th- this year we we've lost a, a, quite a few big names and Christopher yeah. Lee was the one that I thought you know this needs to stop you know what I mean it's getting to the point now that you know, when you reach a certain age though you, your heroes who are you know always older than you when they start going it it does feel it does feel like you're almost losing part of your 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 youth. Yeah. By seeing these these people move on, but I mean the guy has a, the guy has a great legacy. Texas Chainsaw Massacre will always be one of those movies that you know inspires like joy, fear. Yeah, uh, I think it, that's, it's the film I'll probably watch every couple of years for the rest of my life. Probably, oh, yeah. I yeah. think it's I think it's one of I think it genuinely is one of the most unsettling movies ever made. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. So, and, and but I thought the reason I mentioned it on this show is because it, it does highlight things that, yeah, whilst the video nasties themselves have a huge spotlight and many books written about it and, you know, a lot of attention lavished on it because it is a, a really interesting and scary time for censorship in the UK. Yeah. There's a whole ream of movies um before the video nasties epidemic that were ba- you know that were banned in this country and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of those movies. So yeah. just wanted to bring that up. I think that'd be a good thing to go through on our kind of uh you know wrap up episode as well mm. is talk about films that you know inexplicably missed the video nasties list. Yeah. But were so famous for being banned. You mm-hmm. know, stuff like Natural Born Killers and The Exorcist and just stuff that you can understand why they were banned. Like, obviously, we know a lot of these movies, you can't get your head around why they were banned. But, you know, stuff like that, you think, yeah, I can see. Oh, when you sit and watch a clock, when you sit and watch a Clockwork Orange, 
and you see the rape scene in A Clockwork Orange, there is no stretch to the imagination of why that movie was banned. In fact, Kubrick himself encouraged the movie to be banned. So Yeah, he did. I don't know if that was a, a you know genuine or that was just a, a really a good publicity stunt. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, is I mean that's that is a good film, and again, it's one of them ones like the first time you watch Clockwork Orange as a kid, you know, or you know, a teenager, you don't really know what you you're expecting, and it's not what you expect, is it at all? Something like mm. Clockwork Orange. I think that's what's great about these films, like stuff like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and a Clockwork Orange. I just expected them all to be gore-filled flicks, yeah. and that's why they were banned. And I think, like, as you start to get older, you think, oh, no, there are other reasons a film can be banned. Humiliation, rape. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's yeah. not just gore, is it, that's a problem? Yeah, in most cases, in most cases, it's not gore at all. Like, especially yeah. when you look at America, like, when it comes to American censorship, it's never really on gore. It's more about sexual violence. That's yeah. the that's the thing that, you know, that's the, the, the itchy trigger finger for, for American censors. So, yeah. So, uh, now that we've got all that out of the way, Andy, yeah. for, for the first time in... Like months, I'm going to be right here when I say that you are leading us off on the charge this week, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I, we take it in turns. It's every other week. Yeah, no, it? but yeah, but I get them wrong. I'm like that. You're you're doing it first this week. And you're like, no, it's you. And then the following week, I'm like, right. So I'm doing it first, and you're like, no, it's me. <laughs> no, no, so no. This week, yeah. this week, I'm getting it right. As you taking us. Uh, I was about to say down the garden path, but that sounds quite seedy. Um, yeah. It's a seedy show. <laughs> it's a seedy show. Um, yeah, so you're going to be kicking us off with the Toolbox Murders from 1978. But before we get to that, we're going to play uh, the Kruger Nation promo, because we love that man, Johnny Don't Kruger. forget, people, new episode. New episode is up, so go and check out. And uh, you're going to hear some learned folk talking about the Toolbox Murders. When we return, Andy is going to tell us what he made of this movie right after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. The Toolbox Murders was actually released at UK cinemas and also made the list under the name of The Toolbox Murders for some strange reason, which has never been explained. Anyway, I figured that, well, you had Driller Killer and uh, Toolbox, you know, people might be getting tools out and drilling people and hammering people and goodness knows what. Uh, the film itself is a very basic sort of stalk and slash type thing with Cameron Mitchell, a very prolific Western star of the 50s, um, starring as this uh, caretaker in an apartment building who goes around murdering his tenants. The most famous scene probably is the scene where Kelly Nichols, a well-known porn star of the time, gets murdered by a, a nail gun. The film also features, in a small role, Anita Curso, who was one of the stars of uh, the Steve McQueen film The Blob back in the 50s, a much milder kind of horror movie. But the tall box murders, as DIY horror films go, is quite fun. This man is about to commit the most atrocious crimes in American history. Linda Githens, age 22. Valerie Hoffman, age 24. Mary Ann Stevens, age 21. These women have one thing in common. They are all victims 
of the Toolbox Murders. And welcome back. So, movie number one for tonight is The Toolbox Murders uh, from 1978. This is an American film directed by Dennis Donnelly. Um, <laughs> let me tell you what Wikipedia seems to think this film's about. <laughs> Apparently, this is a crime mystery thriller. All right. Directed by Dennis Donnelly. Um Mark, Marks has been the dramatization of a two story. Citation needed, that means that's bullshit. Um, it was infamously listed as a video nasty. This is basically a guy. Well, the film starts off um, really fucking strong, actually. Just, I mean, I, I knew this was too good to be true. And I thought this while I was watching it, I thought this is too much good stuff too soon. There's no way they can maintain the pace on this movie. We've got a mass killer kind of just working his way through an apartment block, um, just horrifically killing people in mm. quite brutal ways um as the title would suggest using tools from his toolbox um i don't know how you fit a nail gun in a toolbox <laughs> a toolbox but nevertheless nail you know toolbox murders we've got some great you know hammer kill the hammer kill is probably my favorite there's mm. a kill with a drill a kill with a nail gun i think a chisel loads of nudity in this film as well it just started out and i thought i'm sure i've seen this but I didn't remember it being anywhere near this good. I thought, this is absolutely brilliant. And for the first 20 minutes, I actually like went on my phone and I had a look on Amazon how much this was. I thought, I've got to get this on Blu-ray. This is fucking great. Blue Underground um, obviously released it. You can't get this uncut in the UK no, still, yeah. which is odd because they've done a remake and everything. And a lot of the times when a remake of something comes out, it brings attention to the original and the original may get, you know, they'll finally release it uncut because they realise that there's probably more gore in the remake. So mm -hmm. let's put the original out for people. Never really happened in here. So you can only get it in the US. Um, Blue Underground, which is region free. Obviously, we were talking about region coding. Blue Underground, everything they do is region free, which is great if you're over in the UK because mm -hmm. um, they do some really good releases. Um, and then something bad happens half an hour into the movie and it just goes a bit shit. It kind of goes a bit hostage situation, weird guy that I couldn't really take seriously as a villain once he took his mask off because he just looked like the old man from Airwolf. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I was really on board with this. Well, I knew this was too good to be true. I thought I thought this was, this was just going too well. Um... Yeah, the hostage situation middle section is just incredibly tedious and boring with this guy kind of locking up this girl because it's like reminds him of his dead daughter, is it, or his dead wife? Yeah. And then he just spends about 20 minutes just doing like a weird fucking monologue thing, just talking to her. And it's just, ah, oh, what happened to all the toolbox fucking murders? This is this is wank. It's like it's just shit the bed for me. And I don't know where it would have gone and I haven't don't think I've seen the remake. But I imagine Toby Hooper trimmed the fat with all the hostage situation reminding me. It's not of really a remake in anything other than name. And really? Okay. And kind you know of similar, pre similar premise, but you know what I mean? In terms of like obviously death by tools, but out with that is not much that resembles this movie. I blind bought it. Did you? For a pound. <laughs> plus, plus postage. So about 220. Um, because I just thought, I imagined, right, because I was fooled probably by watching My Bloody Valentine into thinking, if the original starts off that well, usually mm. what they'll do is take the idea from the original, spruce it up a bit, add more gore, make it a bit prettier, and there's your remake. So based on that assumption, 
<laughs> rather than anything based in fact. I just bought the remake. Um, I mean, I've only lost £2.20 if it's shit, but I do fancy watching it's not, it. It's not shit, it's just... It's just very bland. Okay. Is that's, the gore good? The gore's pretty well done, yeah, yeah. yeah. I right, okay, I'm happy with well that. Done. I'll watch it based on the gore then. Um, and I mean, then, then they do this thing where I don't think they tell you at the beginning, I can't recall, but at the end, they lead you to believe that this is events. I mean, it basically tells you the events dramatising this film actually took place in 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, the female in it spent from 1967 for the next three years in a mental institute. Um, four years later, the other female was killed in a car accident. Uh, just a load of shit to make you go, oh God, it's real. Ooh. I don't think it is. I mean, it might be very, very loosely based on an incident. Um as a lot of these films are, and that's how they get away with saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just kind of fizzled out for me. I mean, the, there's, the last 10 minutes almost kind of saves it from being a complete washout, just because of how fucking weird and crazy like the last 10 minutes is. Um, you know, there's just some weird doll covered in blood. It's just It just goes all creepy and bizarre. Um, and then the girl manages to escape, and then that's obviously where we get the whole stuff about, oh, you know, this was a true story and all that. Um, it's... It's weird. It's it really is like a film of two halves, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it starts off one way and then it kind of does a massive U-turn, but not like something like uh, you know Dust Till Dawn does, where it's a brilliant hostage crime movie and then it kind of ups the ante and it gives you something yeah. equally as good. Obviously, depending on what your viewpoint is on what kind of things you like to see in your movies, but this, the the, the direction change that it takes, it you know it it doesn't live up to its name, The Toolbox Murders. The first 30 minutes of this movie is The Toolbox Murders. The next sort of hour and 10 or whatever is just some weird hostage thing with a bloke who's just got fucking issues and his weird son and I don't know. What did you think? Like, have you seen this before? I hadn't seen this one before. I'm very much aware of it. Um, It's one of those titles that I... It's one of the few titles on the nasty list that I know of by reputation but have never seen. Yeah. Um and it's funny cuz I think this movie I I I for I can guess that I enjoyed this movie more than you did. Um I enjoyed the first half an hour, that was it. <laughs> yeah, well I I see I enjoyed it beyond that point. I think my my issue with it is it is to do with pacing but not in the same way that you're saying about, you know, why have you included this part of a story? I think that part of the story is really interesting. Okay. I think that the the issue comes out that this movie... See, it's interesting, because look at, look at the date of this movie, right? So this is 1978, right? Mm. This movie technically, I think, still predates Halloween, I think. Okay. I think it, it came out just before Halloween. I may be yeah. wrong. I, I'm sure I read that somewhere. Uh, so this is another... Uh, kind of proto slasher mm. in a lot of respects and kind of there's a there's a like huge italian feel to this movie like I, at first I, I didn't even know it was an american movie i had to do some double checking because i was convinced that this was some sort of weird obscure italian horror movie because yeah. there's a kind of almost kind of giallo-esque feel to it as well mm. i think i think the issue for me with this movie is that the overload to start now, while you're saying it's great, because this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, when you put all those great kills at the beginning of a movie, you either have to then ramp up the kills 
the further you go into the movie, or what you do is you take those great kills and you space them out more evenly. Yeah, that's what they should have done. And that's what they should have done. I think the story itself was interesting. I, I thought there, there is something quite menacing. I don't, I, I couldn't find anything to, to link it to any real life case ever. So nah. this this very much comes across as, you know, you should totally show this to the women you work beside, Andy. Um, right. Oh, there's two now. Is there's there two? two. <laughs> one. Like, we've got we've got a couple of new people, and, like, because I'm probably one of the most experienced members of the team, like I end up with new people next to me. It's fucking annoying. Well, it, it, it can be and it can't be. She, they're nice girls and stuff, but this one is just, like, she's 22. She's really fucking naive, and she went... I can't remember what we were talking about, but like, the mate was talking about the new season of Fargo. Mm-hmm. And I just joked, oh, is this one based on true events as well? And she went, what, what do you mean? And I went, well, obviously Fargo isn't real. And she went, well, it says it is. And I thought, oh, oh, here we go God. again. I went, right, it says it is. She went, well, are they allowed to do that? Yes. I went, what do you mean are they allowed? We're not at school. Like, what do you mean are they allowed to do that? I went, who do you think's keeping an eye on it? They can say what they want. I said, like, lying isn't illegal. If yeah. someone wants to say, like, I said to her, look, I said, basically, people put that something's really at the beginning of their films to make stupid people enjoy it more, don't they, Sheila? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that because, like, she would get offended. But, um, yeah, it's like, that isn't true. I said, they just put that at the beginning of stuff just because people seem to enjoy something more. It seems to have a more emotional impact on someone if they, they think thought, it's real. Uh, they think it actually happened. Um, I don't understand how they're allowed to do that. I went, but hey, what do you mean? There's not like a, a board of like, they're not, they don't have like police on set going, oh, is that true? And, yeah, like, it's like, and, and uh, today's thing is based on true events. Like, that is such a subjective thing. What was based on true events? Someone died by death by a hammer. I'm fairly sure there's death by hammer out there. Yeah, it's like if you yeah. tell me a story and, and all of a sudden I decide to make a film based on an idea that's completely unlinked but spawned from the story you've told me because it you know, it sparks off something in my brain. Yeah. I can technically say, and I can say it with 100% truth, that what I'm about to show you is inspired by something that I've heard that's a true story. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's anything to do with it, or that exactly. any of the people are the same, or any of the events are the same. It just means it's triggered something off in your mind, or the writer's mind that goes, oh, that'd make a really good film. And, uh, the, and I mean, one of the key things about that is, and we've... we've we've already talked about the movie, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think the toolbox murders on some level owes quite a, a great deal to. There's a certain kind of grungy griminess about the filming style of this one, which does evoke uh, Toby Hooper's work on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, whereas the Texas Chainsaw Massacre tends to be... And it'd be, it'd be the perfect example to do a comparison of this movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre really takes the, the kind of really graphic... Well, they're not... They are graphic in your mind, but not necessarily graphic on-screen kills. Yeah. And spaces them out evenly throughout that movie. So by the time you reach the end, there's a level of psychosis that the audience shares with a character who's been totally traumatised. When you watch The Toolbox Murders, the, the beginning of this movie, I think actually, when I, the more I was thinking about it, I, I think the reason I kind of had this idea that it kind of felt... A, this kind of Italian sort of feel to it. I would be very surprised if the director of this movie hadn't seen um, Bay of Blood. Okay. A twitch of the death nerve, as, as <laughs> I like to call it. better name. Yeah, yeah. As, as he would have seen because he was an American. Um, 
Because there was an idea, there's, there's a lot of it, like, because you remember when we watched um, that movie, how many kills happened in that movie, like, in the first 25 minutes? There was oh, fucking right. loads, and there was people yeah. killing people, and then the killer died by someone else, and then something else happened to this person. Um, and Beyblood kind of keeps the pace going all the way through it, because there's plenty of characters they can kill off, and they do it right up to the very end. Yeah. I kind of felt that Toolbox Murders kind of starts off with the same sort of gusto, mm. but this idea of wanting to put this kind of this kind of hostage siege sort of element in a movie, which was huge in the 1970s, I mean, those yeah. movies are massive in the 70s, um, the kind of idea of trying to segue that sort of story into this almost kind of feels like, you were saying it's like a movie of kind of two two halves but yeah. it kind of feels like there was no one that sat down and kind of worked out how they could do it you know like how they could do it seamlessly and as a result of that what happens is you end up with this scenario where I think both elements both sides of the movie are interesting in their own rights mm. I just think the pace of the movie is so quick at the very start. It's like watching a sprinter run a marathon. Like you, you, you see, you know, like the instinct for the sprinter is to go off full pelt and chase down people. Yeah. You know, five minutes into that race, the sprinter is then gassed out, um, probably on a stretcher, getting wheeled towards medical assistance. And that kind of <laughs> is how the movie feels. It, it loses a lot of its pace. Um, just because it starts off so ferociously. Yeah. And saying that, there was a lot I enjoyed about it. I thought the practical effects were really good. I thought some of the, the ideas for deaths in this movie, using kind of toolbox elements, were great. I mean, that was once again after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We spoke about this before. Tons of movies appear, you know, Axe, one that we talked about right at the very start, where we've got death by various different kind of the driller killer. Um, oh, it's straight on the list. It's a ticket straight to the list, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you, you, you have a a collection of these things in the title of your name. Well, you're definitely going on the list. But there is there is like some elements in this movie which I think almost do kind of merit the interest of the censors because the, the the kills are quite graphic. There's a woman that dies by nail gun who, unless I was maybe perverted, looked like she was maybe playing with herself. Uh, yeah. She was, so. she was having a, a fiddle, you know what I mean? She was playing yep. with the, the wee man in the boat. Um, double, double click in her mouth. Oh, you were going to see that doing the Kit Kat shuffle. Um, <laughs> oh, so I mean, that one always freaks people out. I don't know why my wife hates it when I say that. Um, yeah, it's because that that uh, like hints that he's been at the arse. Oh, on it does. I wasn't. It's to do with two fingers. Kit Kats. No, no, no. Kit fingers. Kats are covered. Kit Kats are brown. Oh, you're just dirty a... bastard. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so. I think she was... Uh, uh, so there, there is that connotation between... Kit Kat can also mean four fingers if she's particularly <laughs> slack as well, can't it? You go for the big one or the chunky. I knew you were going to say the chunky, you bet me to it. A Kit Kat chunky. Uh, one giant swollen finger. Um, there are we, we go. Talking, are we talking about someone getting murdered? I can't remember. Yeah, that. so aye, so there's a there's a woman a masturbating and then she's killed while she's masturbating with someone with a nail gun. So there's sex and violence in the same shot, which to me pretty much seals its fate on the list straight away. If someone got this far into the movie and didn't do it solely based on the name, the fact that you have sexual pleasure and death violence in the same shot. Ooh, can't do that. You can't do that. And that was that was one of the that's one of the itchy triggers for 
for for the censors, especially at that time. So that's where I think I come down. To me, I am like super surprised, like yourself, that this movie doesn't exist uh, in an uncut format in the UK. I, mm. I don't get that. And um, to me, this is one that is crying out for a release. And we have we have a company just now, eighty eight films, seems yeah. to be very dedicated at trying to get. Where, where Arrow did a lot of the video nasty stuff and that was like its foundation and it did a lot of Euro- European horror movies and it's kind of built out and has moved away from a lot of that. 88 Films has picked up the mantle and has put out a lot of the video nasty stuff that yeah. it would not surprise me if that is a future title for them. This is the this is exactly the kind of film I can see them releasing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, I had quite a lot of positive things to say about it. Um, I don't think overall it is a great movie. Um, but there was the. I keep telling you that to me, the things about the video nasties list that the things that excite me are the the parts of movies where I'm like, this is incredible. I can't believe so. how look at how ahead of its time this is. In the first half an hour of this movie, is is up there with some of the best slasher movies ever made. Mm. Condensed into half an hour. It really is, yeah. It's like a, it's almost like a hit reel, a highlight reel of of awesome fucking kills. The the movie to me would have worked better if they'd spaced those kills out a bit better in terms of this idea of them. He could have abducted someone and then locked them away and then went away and killed more people and come back and had conversations or brought the bodies back in front of the you know, the the kidnapped person. Yeah. Um and you know that that to me that now maybe that takes away from the movie. Maybe that that on some level destroys the the bit of the movie you really like. Um, which is that half an hour condensed right back down at the very beginning. But yeah, overall, I, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot that I, I disliked about the movie. I don't think it's an amazing movie, but it's certainly a whole hell of a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's because it, it led me to believe it was one thing and then the thing that it transitioned to, I just wasn't keen on. But yeah. like, for the first half an hour, I was, I was well on board with it. And I mean, the ending shot's really good yeah, as yeah. well. Um, of her, you know, kind of lying in bed looking at a pair of scissors with this guy. Um, and then we, you know, you don't get to see what she does, but then you just see her kind of walking through the streets in a daze with the scissors covered in blood. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Because I've shown you enough gore at the beginning, I think it's more effective that that's kind of that you don't get to see that shot. Um, yeah, but apart from that, like it, I just wish it kind of had been paced a bit different. I just think the whole hostage thing is quite uneventful and is the majority of the movie, isn't it? And not a great deal happens if you don't really yeah. care about this girl. You you kind of don't. Mm-hmm. I was hard. the same. I wasn't. I, I couldn't really connect in there. I thought the idea that, like, once again, high rise kind of block, a hostage, a siege, and all that sort of stuff instantly makes me think this is going to be a lot better than it was. But you need to connect with the characters, which I think the movie struggles with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we, you know, there is a there is a rape as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's right right towards the end, which I suppose didn't seem that out of place. It's um, she's she's surprised. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Took her by surprise, but yeah. Um, apart from that, it's yeah, it's all right. I don't think I'll watch it again. Like I say, I'm going to watch the remake, and maybe I won't watch that again either once I've watched it. But uh, yeah, this this could have been this could have been good for me, uh, mm. but it just kind of it tapered off. Right, grade um, it then. Grade it for me. 
Uh, slap on the wrist. The gore's really good. Like you say at the beginning, the first sort of half an hour is almost like a highlight reel. Them things that people do on YouTube where they literally make a highlight reel of like the, the deaths in a film. The yeah. first half an hour of that is one of them highlight reels. And the hammer kill, oh, it's fucking brutal. It's like brilliant. turns it around so the claw bit just smashes straight into the head of the victim and yeah it's pretty horrendous it's um what comes up in the side bit as well on the youtube uh your, your suggestions is the the toolbox killers which i think is something that we've talked about before yeah um which i think is just coincidental i can't imagine they're inspired by this movie it just happens to be a pair of fucking psychos that go around using stuff that's in their toolbox but that's brutal i've like bookmarked um a documentary on it oh right yeah, fancy watching that. You've probably seen it. There's a couple. There's the there's Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris, the Toolbox yeah. Killers, and then there's another one, Serial Killers, the Toolbox Killers documentary, which yeah. is kind of reenactments and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen them uh, both, yeah. Yeah, so I'll uh, probably crack that open later. Um, with regards to should this have been on the list, I mean, it's a lot more brutal than a lot of the stuff that was on the original list, mm-hmm. um, but it is just a, a kind of a decent slasher film or the good the good bit is anyway so no i think it does belong on the list that it's on um yeah. but i am surprised it isn't on the original list i don't think it should have been but i am quite surprised that it wasn't just because there's stuff that's a lot a lot tamer than this that did make it yeah i i, I agree with both your 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 grades there I, I think it's definitely a slap on the wrist i think there are some incredible kill scenes at the beginning of this movie and yeah to me when I watch this and I think of some of the movies we always come back to Evil Speak when I think of Evil Speak and then I think of this movie you know at what what point does is is Evil Speak like a more dangerous movie yeah it's just a Satan shit isn't it yeah it's just it's so fucking strange it's so so strange it's like people will on some level turn at an a blind eye to extreme violence because there is a mention of Satan in a movie. <laughs> you know, that m- movie must be more evil. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that was that was our first review. Uh, we're going to take a very short break when we return. I'm up next with a movie I don't think either one of us is going to speak highly about. Uh, <sighs> it's 1982's Unhinged. You're going to hear some promos for shows on the Horror Failure Podcasting Network. The show is exclusively held over there alongside some fantastic horror shows. You should check them out over at horrorfailure.com. Yeah. Um, myself and Andy are also going to uh, be playing a little clip of those enlightened critics and fellows talking about Unhinged. I don't know if they're going to be talking more favourable than we're going to be talking about this movie, but you need to wait and find out right after this. There are many mysteries in this world, and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. 
unhinged. What's really odd when you look back at all the movies that became notorious video nasties is just the wide range of differing titles that ended up on the banned list. Uh, alongside kind of Italian cannibal splatter or, or zombie movies, there are often kind of oddities from American Indian grindhouse cinema, and Don Gronquest's Unhinged is one of those movies. I guess it's fair to say that had it not been tarred with the video nasty label, Gronquest's movie may have just disappeared. It was a very low-budget, sleeper, indie production. Um, the violence in it actually is, is quite restrained. There's three specific acts of violence uh, with, a, with an axe and with a scythe being key examples here. So there's something about this movie that the censor and the authorities found disturbing. At one level, it, it begins on traditional slasher territory. Three female co-eds are off to a rock concert when they're involved in a car crash. And when they awake, they're in a wonderful gothic mansion headed up by two dotty matriarchs, uh, a wayward daughter and her wheelchair-bound mother. I think the girls quickly realise that something is badly awry in this household when the mother on nightly occasions repeatedly vents her anger against all mankind and accuses her own daughter of being a prostitute who channels male visitors in and out the house without her own blessing. So the girls decide to make an escape as quickly as possible and all three meet kind of pretty nasty fates in, in, in their endeavours. I think it's possibly the downbeat tone rather than the violence that made Unhinged a, a candidate for video nastydom. It began as an idyllic weekend outing. But something went wrong. Stranded, alone, or are they? And welcome back. So, 1982, Unhinged. This was the movie that our good buddy Jeff the Goat sourced for us. And I'm going to say it, I feel sorry for Jeff. Jeff has put a lot of time in finding his movies. Every single movie we've been unable to find that Jeff has found for us. And I it's have, a thankless task. Yeah, it is a thankless task, but we've not enjoyed any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that they've all not been, Jeff's fault. But yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to find. I'm starting to realise this is maybe why we can't find them, Andy. It's weird, isn't it? The ones we can't find are the ones that are just so awful. Yeah, I think this is why. I think people are <laughs> saving their time and not putting the movies up. There's no demand. Yeah, so this movie was written and directed by Don Gronquist. Um, it came out, like I say, in 1982. Synopsis on um, the IMDb is three college girls on their way to a jazz festival. Oh, I love those jazz festivals. Oh Crash their car in an isolated woods during a rainstorm. That's their first mistake, the jazz festival. Yeah, oh, well, no, actually. <laughs> when you mention it, a jazz festival, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If I- yeah. They don't look like jazz fans either. I just want to stress that. Um, they've not got uh, hats on for a start <laughs> shouldn't they have uh, what are they call trilbies on if they yeah, yeah if they existed in 1920 Andy yeah. Yeah, people you can listen to jazz and not wear a trilby how racist are you right now you can't <laughs> you can't um, so yeah so they, they crash a car isolated woods during a rainstorm and are taken in by a mysterious family in an old mansion, as you do. Uh, little do the girls know, the family has a dark, murderous secret, which all families that live in a dark mansion do. I mean, every family that lives in a, like a big mansion has... There's only one way your family has retained 
this mansion for as long as it is, and it's usually built on death and sex. Ill-gotten gains. Exactly, exactly. This movie has a bitchin' score. I was fucking smiling idiot. This is cheesy synth all Synthastic. the time. Oh, yeah. If you're a synth player like myself, or a lover of the synth, um, then this soundtrack is fucking boss. It's the mutts nuts. It is the, the, the badgers nadgers. The hounds mounds. <laughs> I was loving on this soundtrack. That's about it. Um, this is generic to the point of tediously generic. Yeah. Um, it's not a very well-made movie at all, actually. It's, it's not shot with the confidence some of the other kind of lesser-known slashers have had, you know what I mean? Like, we, we watched other slashers on the list, mm. um, which are shot either deliberately gritty, like, I, I'm thinking to myself, uh, don't go in the woods alone, right? You yeah. know, that that's shot shittily. Because it's shot cheaply, out in the woods, it's grimy, it's rough, adds a certain charm to the movie. Yeah. And then think about movies like Absurd, which are shot with that Italian style, very visual, very clean, you know, immaculate, still quite gritty, but but shot very well. This yeah. movie doesn't fall into either. No. It's just a very nondescript way of shooting. It's... It's, it kind of the movie overall felt paint by numbers to me. The kills weren't actually all that great. Yeah. Um, for a tagline on a poster that says "violence beyond you know beyond reason, victims beyond help," I'm like, oh my god, yeah, this is gonna be amazing. And I read like a misery vibe to it at the beginning. It did indeed, yeah. And you kind of, I kind of felt like this movie was gonna go and really really kind of push things and really kind of... Because it's, it's in that kind of the... It's the kind of tail end of the heyday of the slasher movies, 1982, yeah. you know? So I'm kind of thinking by then a lot has been done, but that means that if you're making a movie, you can kind of see where things have went well, where things haven't went well. You can push things to the level of the ludicrous. Um, and this movie doesn't... It's just so banal and so safe and... But not it's in a way that's interesting at all. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I think it's, it was lucky to have even made the list. You know, yeah, it's, I think it's quite a prestigious thing to be able to. The say best to. thing that ever happened to this movie. Yeah, the only reason that anyone would want to talk about this movie, Andy, is the the fact it made the list. Well, that's it. I mean, it was past uncut in the UK in cinemas. It had a theatrical release in 1983. Um, it was only retroactively banned um, by the you know put on the video nasties list just because of blood spray you don't even get to see them fucking murders they're all you know the, the camera cuts away yeah um and then we've just got a bit of nudity with the killer i'm assuming he's wanking while he's watching these girls like have a shower and, and you know get dressed together and stuff um, <laughs> as as they all do yeah as you do you might as well if you're going to watch someone in the shower you might as well knock one out <laughs> especially if you've got weird yellow eyes um, so yeah i mean it's, it's, i really I'm I'm struggling to to kind of see why it's on the list. The only kind of few notes I made against this, and this is how little there is to say about this movie. When the guys were warning the girls that people have turned up missing, mm -hmm. I thought, how can you turn up missing? Yeah, it's a terrible. You're either, you're either terrible missing or you've turned up. If you've yeah. turned up, you're not missing. Um, I put that there's some kind of John Carpenter wannabe synthastic music, which is obviously what you've already said. And then the ending, um, which is one of the ones that I was, this is the film I was talking about earlier where I said I would have switched this off, but then the ending, not that it saves it, but the ending does something different that I wasn't expecting. And that's mm -hmm. basically the weird psycho style reveal. Yes. 
at the end um, where you know the, the, the kind of the mother in the house is actually a bloke with a hairy chest and he does like a big monologue whilst brutally smashing someone's fucking skull in with a well not that you know he's just stabbing them everywhere with a machete basically just fucking destroying the body with a machete but you don't get to see it but it is quite disturbing because you get to see his face being sprayed with blood while he's kind of doing this weird monologue that was kind of the bit where I thought, oh, okay, that's probably... I mean, that's why it was on the list, isn't it? I would imagine. That'll be that final scene. But I'm just surprised that anyone got through it to the, enough far enough to see the final scene. Yeah. I just... I, I think you, like, we're, we're obviously... There's a lot of slashers that come out in this time frame. A lot of the slashers that come out do play off the idea of Halloween and Friday the 13th. Those yeah. are the movies that kind of really... I'm not saying those are the first ones before people start screaming Black Christmas at me. Just the, the you know... The, the, Be of blood, popular. I would say, ladies and gentlemen. Be of blood! Um, but, you know, it's like, I understand Black Christmas, but I also understand Be of blood. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the, there is so many. It is the, we need the, the kind of creepy sin score, John Carpenter, tick. We, you know, we need the, the, the reveal that the, Man's, you know, the woman's actually a man. Psycho, because that, yeah, because that went down really well in 1960. So we'll throw that in there. Tick. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like a checklist that they've sat with and said, well, it needs to do this, it needs to do this, it needs to do this, and it, it just to me it, it lacks, it lacks a hook. Like good slasher movies should have a hook that makes you want to talk about why that movie stands out from the rest. You know, whether it's a killer with a unique mask or a unique killing instrument, um, or or whether it's you know a, a a great backstory to the killer or something, something which makes the movie unique and stand out, and Unhinge doesn't have that I at mean, all. And, the, the the standout thing for me in this film, and this is the bit that's basically unforgivable, is the how shit the acting is. The acting is fucking appalling in this movie. Like the, the it's wooden beyond belief. Yes, yeah. they you- are literally. <laughs> it's like when you if if you're asking if you typed a load of dialogue into a computer and then got the computer to read it back in that monotone voice. That's yeah. it's bad. And the the good thing about it is I, I love that IMDb allows you to you know obviously you can click. Um, it like gives you a list of all the actors and all the rest, and you can click into them to see what else they've done, and you will find out that they have done next to nothing. All the actors have done next to nothing, except appear in documentaries about video nasties. Oh, really? Right. So there you go. So yeah, that, yeah. I mean, this is hardly the show reel, is it? You'd be yeah. take, you'd be sending to your agent. I mean, it's... the the dude the dude that directed it only directed two movies. He directed Unhinged from nineteen eighty two. He directed The Devil's Keep. From 1995, which is a movie I have never seen. I, I don't know anything about it at all. Um, yeah. The synopsis I mean, just, for that there's one. There's nothing in this movie that yeah. makes me want to run out and see anything else either. Uh, yeah, the synopsis in this movie a dying Nazi war criminal gives a treasure map to his teenage neighbour. The boy goes after gold and finds himself the target of a Nazi manhunt. Mm. Uh, oh, kind of sounds like a cross between the Goonies and Apt People. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, which is a movie I would watch, by the way. I would. Watch I would. That. I'd be up for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no one went on to do anything, and you can pretty much see why no one went on to do anything because there's nothing in this movie that would make anyone watch it and think, "Oh well, you know, we need to, we need to hire this guy." You, you've got you've, who can direct this movie? Can we get the unhinged guy? No. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I think yeah, no one's going to ever do that. 
Um, yeah, it's a fucking, it's a bad movie. <laughs> I mean, if you like the sound of this movie and you read the synopsis and think it sounds interesting and worth watching, watch Frontiers. Yes. Because oh. that is fucking superb. So oh. It's not an identical premise, It's but, you know, the way they get to the family is very different, but, you know, that that's the kind of film this film wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and the French did it about 20 years later. And did it, did it so, so much better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's one of Rachel's like, favourite films and one of her favourite female horror performances is the girl in that movie. Oh, it's an incredible movie. It's, like, it's the one that I sometimes think that when people talk about uh, French extremism, that new wave of French extremism cinema in the 2000s, like people jump to do matters or high tension or inside or whatever. Sometimes I think that Frontiers is that movie that people just forget to talk about and I don't know why because it's fucking amazing. It is. It's fucking Something great. I own I own that movie and uh, yeah, I watch, I've watched it a few times now. It's... <laughs> Brutal. Yes, yeah, a phenomenal movie. And that that is how interesting unhinged is that we would rather talk about another movie. Um I, yeah, I, I just whatever fucking let's put this to bed, right? Um Graydon, this to me, um like you say, there is there is a lot of deaths in this movie, but we don't see them. Right. Uh, we see more reactionary shots. And the end of that movie does have a kind of jarring image of that guy don't kind of get him sprayed with blood and going on the, the massive monologue um, and it is sinister it is quite creepy and there is the, the kind of threat idea there but to me it's still not enough to push it into that 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 kind of slapping of the wrists I'd, I, I'd like if we say that the toolbox murders with his very graphic violence at the start is a slap in the wrists there is no way that unhinged is in the same category so no. it's a case dismissed from me and it did not need to be on the list yeah i totally agree i mean it is only i think it's got to be just on the list for that final scene i think mean, somebody must have saw it or heard about it going yeah. oh, done like a psycho thing and because like you say, it was the release theatrically. It wasn't put on the list straight away. It's not like it was released in the cinemas and banned. It was banned later, which is fucking strange. Um, yeah. And like the bar, the final scene, which is more implied than anything else. I mean, it's obvious he's killing the person, but you don't see the weapon contacting the skin. You know, you just kind of yeah, it, it's it's nothing like even. It's weird because that is probably the best bit of the film is that last two minutes or five minutes, but. You know, even like the the stuff that should have been really interesting and, and perilous. You know, the you know when there's like scenes with where one of the members of the family's found out that one of the others, the girls, has like tried to go into town to like ring her family. That should have been like, oh god, they've been rumbled. But the way the dialogue's delivered, mm-hmm. like, there's it's so wo- wooden and flat. It's like what should have been like quite a tense scene. Any tension's just removed by the fact that it looks like she's just reading it off the back of a beer mat or something. It's just. Like it's it's shit. So yeah, there's nothing that warrants it being on the list, and there's not really anything that warrants even giving it a watch. I don't. Yeah, know. I think I'll, this is one that you could skip. Yeah, skip. skip. I know. I know we're saying that. I know that's not going to happen. I know that that the hardcore out there, the hardcore contingent of the nasty, uh, will go out and check this movie out. Um, but you, we warned you again. Sorry. Yeah. You've, you've been Don't warned. You're not. Yeah, this is Don't this is boring. It. Watch Watch Frontiers instead. It's fucking great. Oh, so. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we're going to take a short break. 
going to hear more promos for shows on the network. You're going to hear learned folk talking about our final movie review, which Andy is going to lead us on, which is Visiting Hours from 1982. It's time to get knee-deep in the shit. Um, myself and... Uh, oh, shit. Um, myself oh, and oh, Andy shit. are going to be talking about that movie right after this. Hugh loves horror movies. I like them cheesy. I like them gritty. I like them campy. I love them all. He married Christy. She hates them. I think they're senseless and upsetting. Listen in as Hugh searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray. There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them. In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. <laughs> Come to the dark side. In Christy, Christy's Christy's Visiting Hours is an effective Canadian horror thriller in which Michael Ironside from David Cronenberg's Scanners plays a convincing woman-hating psycho on the loose. After a failed attempt at silencing a female TV presenter, played by Academy Award winner Lee Grant, he tracks her down to her hospital bed, attempting to carry on where he left off, dispatching all those who get in his way. A young nurse, played by Linda Pearl, Ashley Fister from the TV series Happy Days, catches a glimpse of him and becomes another one of his targets. William Shatner also pops up as a TV producer and he must have literally flown in for the day to do his scenes in between filming Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It's nowhere near as grim as many of the other nasties and one can only assume it was momentarily banned due to its scenes of violence against women, most of whom happen to be bedridden. Although there are also plenty of violence against men scenes too. It does have a few unsettling moments, though. Although the UK video release contained a pre-cut theatrical version in which a woman has a knife suggestively run across her body was cut out, during the late 80s, London ITV accidentally broadcast the uncut version, which led to numerous complaints from shocked viewers. Escape from New York in the West End now and across London from Sunday. And welcome back. So, movie number three of tonight's visiting hours from 1982. This is an American movie direct, directed by Jean Claude Lord. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 a North American movie. It's a Canadian one, Andy. Oh, okay then. <laughs> Sorry. Don't you know, get them muddled up. We don't want to alienate our Canadian and American listeners. No, that's like people confusing New Zealand with Australia. Oh God, you you do not. Schoolboy error. Do uh, not apologies. Do so Canadian movie, Jean Claude Lord. Lord. Um, <laughs> so we've got the uh, basically the, the very simple plot on this one. Um, a feminine activist inspires the wrath of a misogynistic psychopath at Michael Ironside. Um, uh, on a TV talk show, uh, he attacks her. She survives, and then she's sent to the hospital, where he basically sort of spends the rest of the movie killing people in the hospital, trying to terrify her, track her down, and kill her. Um, yeah, this is all right. This I, I'm surprised I hadn't seen it. I think I'd heard of it. Um, I think this is probably one of the movies that I was gonna watch, and yeah. then I found out that it was on the video analysis, so I just thought I'll wait until we get round to it. Um, 
Yeah, it's quite good. There's some funny bits in it. Like, considering it's meant to be like a video nasties film, um, I really laughed at the PG-13 style insults that the girls had written <laughs> in the middle of his, of his house. Creep. <laughs> arsehole. <laughs> Ne'er-do-well. You know, like, brilliant. But is that the best they can do? This come on, this is an adult movie. Like, is it, you got to do better than creep. Yeah. Must do better. Um, there's also a really funny bit at the end where he smashes his arm in broken glass, and I just thought, are you about to fight Tom Poe? <laughs> the secret temple. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, and then there's a, the other bit that really made me laugh. Um, he's got a collage of women's faces in his house. He's obviously like freaking psychopath. This guy like kills women. And he's just made like a collage of women's faces in like the shape of a skull. And the cop goes, oh no, a death mask. Mm. I thought, what, is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? I've never seen that before. I've never seen somebody make a collage out of people. And that's, that's it's, it's got a proper name. Like the, like the cop had seen that a thousand times. Oh no. Not another <laughs> death mask. Not another death mask. <laughs> um, but it's quite good. I mean, th- this film wouldn't have been anywhere near as good if it didn't have the shat in it and it didn't have Michael Ironside. Yeah. He does Psycho incredibly well. Um, he's one of those guys, Michael Ironside. He's been in so many films, mm. like it's almost like you could just reel off the different stuff he's been in. I mean, so you know, it's just like Total Recall, um, Scanners, Scanners. Which yeah, is he's, he's villain. He's, he's great like, in that Starship Troopers. Starship just loads Trooper, of random yeah. stuff. He, like he can literally turn his hand to anything. This guy, but what he does do really well and really believable is kind of the chewing the scenery proper full-on fucking Jack Nicholson from The Shining Psycho. He's really believable as that. He pulls the faces, you know. He's, he's, a, he's got an intensity about him as that's an actor. The, the intensity. He does, he's one of these actors that doesn't mind looking crazy on film. It's like he can, he can completely let go. Mm-hmm. I think some people are almost a bit reserved. They don't want to completely let go to that. You know, it's almost like losing control. It's almost a vulnerability to be that kind of psychotic on screen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it, you, it's quite difficult to reach those depths um, as an actor. And I think Ironside is almost one of those kind of, he's not an A-lister, but he's one of these people that he appears in so many films and he just gives it his all in every film. He's, I mean, he's in Turbo Kid as well, isn't he? He's fucking, yeah, he's a villain in Turbo Kid as well. Um, so I think this is one of them ones, like the villain makes it just because he is, he is a psycho. Um, and the poor woman just getting terrorised throughout this entire movie. And she's not really done anything wrong, has she? You know, it's um, no. you kind of feel sorry for her. Uh, it's a good setting as well, a hospital. Kind of reminded me of Halloween 2. Yep. That's You've got that setting. Because, you know, you consider it a safe place to be a hospital, don't you? I mean, I know sort of in the 70s and 80s, there would have been really not any security in hospitals. I mean, nowadays, you know, you've got police on call, you know, like they'll be there at a moment's notice. You've got a group of security, especially in somewhere like A&E. But a hospital is one of them places where you can walk through a hospital unchallenged, can't you? Apart yeah. on something like a, uh, a maternity ward or something. And I know not a lot of the newer hospitals now have got like key card access mm-hmm. to boards but that's quite a new thing and I'm sure it's quite expensive so I like that thing of a hospital where you know an absolute psychopath could walk into a hospital with a load of weapons on him and literally no one would ask him what he's doing there because if you're in a hospital you're probably visiting someone you don't get stopped and asked yeah. what you're doing do you it's about but, those the, the connotations about what what a hospital actually symbolizes is as caring it's a, a place of nurturing and caring you know a place that people get sent to get better and the idea of that as the setting for a psychopathic serial killer that was one of the reasons I think, uh, like you mentioned Halloween 2, which was made the year before this, one of the reasons I think Halloween 2 is 
like a a very very good sequel um, to to the original Halloween is because they take it and they move it into a, a, a setting where a hospital is usually a standalone building with lots of places to hide and lots of rooms. Um, there can be a lot of people in there as well. But what the hospital symbolises, what is there for in society, what the you know what a hospital is actually. You know what it represents. If you can twist that and make that make you feel unsafe about going into a hospital, you're doing the Jaws thing about making the water feel unsafe to go for a swim. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's fucking great, and I love I love the fact that they use that as I said. And also, you get that gnarly cover, which is basically the outside of a hospital, and all the the lights are switched on in the shape of a fucking skull, which is yeah. like, which is fucking vintage VC, you know, VHS fucking. You know, like movie rental cover, fucking heaven, man. You would have picked totally, up this yeah. movie totally just without even reading the names. You would have picked up this movie on the case alone. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, definitely. Twenty minutes too long, probably for me. Uh, it's an hour forty-five, and I kind of thought it probably needed to be about ninety minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think. I'll come on to my right. Finish your bits. There are particular things I want to say about this movie. Yeah, I, I, just, I mean, I've not really got much else to say. I just, I just think that, something like this <laughs> that was your cue, Duncan. <laughs> because the plot is so kind of minimalist, it's almost like okay, now let let you know, let's wrap this up. You know, she's been in the hospital. She's been terrorized for a bit. You know, she's had a few lucky escapes. She's killed people. For me, like there's so many other films that do such a lot less, or, well, or sorry, a lot more in 90 minutes. I thought you've not got enough to give me for an hour 45 movie. This yeah. really needs to be chopped down. But apart from that, it was um, it was pretty good. It's it's one like I'd, I'd, I'd not necessarily run out and buy this movie, but yeah, I enjoyed it just because I like Michael Ironside. So watching him kind of do his thing is cool, and 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 William Shatner's always good value for money as well. Yeah, William it? Shatner shows up in this movie as William Shatner. As always, yeah. yeah, he is he is full full on chat in this movie, um, and yeah, he he he's there, right? The, my thoughts on the movie, right? Let, let me kind of echo what you said um, and go one step further in terms of the time. This movie is an hour and forty five minutes long. A good slasher movie should be anywhere from an hour and twenty to an hour and thirty. If you can, if you need longer than that to really put forward your movie as a you know as a slasher movie, if you cannot develop the concept, a premise, a backstory for your killer and people being picked off in a resolution in an hour and a half, then your movie better have some sort of fucking Mark Twain-esque story plot devices somewhere in it that, that merit the extra time. Yeah. Right. This movie does not have that. Mm. Um, and the, there are a couple of scenes that feel a bit like wasted or or not needed. You could condense this down quite a bit. You could chop it enough in this movie to make it easily fit an hour and a half and it wouldn't have a huge detrimental effect to the overall story at the end. Yeah. Right. However, what I will say about it and the plus, because there's a whole hell of a lot of plus things to say about this movie, I think. Um, I love the score of the movie. I think the visual effects are really good. I think Michael Ironside as a villain. I think the genius to this movie is that Michael Ironside is a villain. You have got a guy who genuinely does look crazy at the best of times. So there's no need for him to <laughs> remain a hidden killer like to a great reveal at the end. The strength of this movie is that very early in the movie, you know Michael Ironside is a killer. Yeah. And that adds to it because he's, his presence, his creepiness, his intensity is the selling point for this movie. It's the only reason you would want to watch 
this movie because we yeah. have a psychopathic killer and it's Michael Ironside fucking hell so yeah I, I love that aspect of it I think the kills are good I think um, that there is a legitimacy and weight to this movie that comes across with the good acting uh, Ironside is crazy he plays yeah. that part very well Shatner even though he is playing Shatner in this movie delivers his lines very well and he is he is the kind of the rational point of reason in this movie you know like all you know this woman thinks that she's going mad because all these horrible things are happening around her and Shatner's there to kind of calm her down then oh well maybe things aren't that maybe you should think about you know maybe it isn't you know like and Shatner's putting that side across and that works I think he plays that role very well as well yeah. our, our main our main lead our final girl in this movie is excellent as well. I think she she performs very, very well in this movie. Um so yes you have that at the back in the background. I think it's shot very well. I think it's one of these ones where you you realise when you watch a movie like Unhinged, which came out in the same year, the difference between a, a studio slasher movie and a cheap slasher movie. And this one's yeah. a studio slasher movie and you can see it. Um yeah, I I, I don't think the the only kind of big gripe I have with it is the movie. I don't think necessarily one goes far enough to make it one of the pinnacles of slasher from that from that no, era. No. Um, more like a thriller, really. I it really does. It kind of murders in there. It kind of it kind of owes more to kind of kind of thriller setting than just a full on horror setting, um, which is fine. Slasher movies can be thrillers. We've we've spoke about that before. They don't have to be. Horror movie. There is a very thin line between the, the the slasher serial killer and the thriller serial killer. Mm. Um, you watch something like Seven, which people will argue blew to bother blowing the face. It's a psychological thriller. <laughs> to That's me, it, yeah, I'd forgotten the, the term. It's, yeah. it's not a horror film. It's a psychological thriller. That's what they call Silence of the Lambs as well. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're horror movies. They're dealing with like, like do you tell me, you tell me what makes Seven not a horror movie and makes Friday the Thirteenth a horror movie? Because I would argue that there is elements in Seven that are infinitely more creepy and infinitely more horrific. Oh God! And yeah. that movie, then there are so I, you know, I don't see that argument. I don't see it as being valid. But yeah, this movie definitely owes more to a thriller than it does. To a horror movie, but the biggest confusing point for me is how it ends up in the video nasties list because once again we're in this situation where there are slashers that come out in the same era. The prime be prime example being Halloween fucking two. How is Halloween two not a video nasty? <laughs> Consider a video nasty, yeah. but visiting hours is same location kind of setting, similar idea of a cycle stalking a woman in a hospital. All the all all the similar sort of premises are there. Uh, Halloween two is gnarlier when it comes to the kills and the gore. Yet visiting hours is the title that makes the list. So you've got to think on some level it's because Halloween is seen as a seminal piece of horror film 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 making cinema yeah. making that the sequel can't be lumped into this category because it's the sequel to Halloween. Visiting hours is a standalone one off movie. It's easier to shove that one on the list. Yeah. Do you know how it came to the notice of the censors? I do not. Please tell me. Um, it was the shot, broadcast, it was a shot it, wasn't it? They're like, it Captain Cook's <laughs> in this movie. No, oh, it was broadcast I'm... on uh, ITV in 1989 on Really? Yeah. So somebody watched it, and it was lo- it, it was literally like on Halloween 3 season of The Witch, turn it off! But, it's, but that must have been after the list, though. Mm. 
Yeah, so this would be one of them ones that was retroactively added to the list. Again. Oh, right. right. I didn't know that. So just... it basically got it got released in the cinema cut. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, it was a well-known movie because it had Shatner in it. Um, despite the overt censorship of the, the version that appeared in the cinema, the uncut version was broadcast on ITV in 1989. Um, this obviously brought it to the brought it to the attention of the censors. Um, uh-huh. who went, right, what are you doing? Like you can't can't put a film like that on ITV. You're gonna have to cut it. Uh, we're gonna have to pull it down, and then they go, right, well, fuck it, we'll just put it on the list, shall we? Let's just go the whole hog. Jesus. That's that. I mean, to me, like I say, there's there's nothing in this movie that screams to me. You know, ban it! <laughs> no, just, I, I mean, there must have been worse stuff in the TV in like, nineteen eighty. I mean, some of the stuff on fucking Cracker with Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> and that was the same time period. Oh my God, Cracker, I remember that. Do you not think, though, like the uh, the episode with um, with Albie played by... Uh, Robert, uh, Robert Carlyle is terrifying. Uh, yeah, like, he's that, that's like, pretty uh, brutal. An, an absolute terrifying character. Yeah, it's, it's a terrifying character. I just, I, I think when you are, when you're watching this movie and you're comparing it to other movies, once again, that are on the list um, or, or of the same ilk, you know, of that, of that slasher period, this one is a bit, it, it plays heavily on the tame side. You know, it's, it, it kind of does feel like the the Canadian version of Halloween too, and that's no disrespect to Canada at all. I think some of my favourite horror movies of all time um, are, are Canadian horror movies. I mean, I, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, like ridiculously geeky about Cronenberg, but it kind of feels like that Canadian equivalent to something like that. And as such, it, it just doesn't have the menace. I think that in, not menace in terms of the character, but just in terms of that going for the the jugular. Sorry, yeah. attitude that a lot of the American slashers had in a similar time frame. Yeah. So yeah, um, when it comes to to, to to grading of this movie, where where do you fall then, Andy? Um, I don't know if I might have to just dismiss it. It's just a thriller with a couple of violent kills in it. It's not anything particularly disturbing. Like Ironside makes it with his like how psychotic he is and stuff, but uh, I don't know. It's like I'm, I'm I'm with I'm with you. I I um, think I mean there is. There is a bit of a there's a isn't there is a rape in there isn't there I'm sure. Is there? I think so. Uh, probably off screen though. There's like is it, is it an off screen rape. No. I didn't think it was. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, if there I thought, is, I thought there. I thought even there, if it was and it was off screen, that wouldn't count. Yeah. So I can't remember the rape. This was the first movie I watched. <laughs> it's about a week ago. So. Okay. I, my um, brain has been battered with yeah, unhinged before I think before he goes for her, it's a girl that he's seeing, and he kind of beats her and tortures her and rapes her. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not it's not graphic. It's just. Well, I suppose we can't we can't even give someone a slap on the wrist if it's just implied, can we? So no, huh? Dismiss this shit then. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, to me, once again. I work on the premise of just the grading we've done on this show. Um, And the grading that we have done in this show is we've said that a slap on the wrist goes to toolbox murder. I mean, the the toolbox. If if that gets a slap on the wrist, then there's no way that this one can't can get the same grade it has to be a case dismissed yeah. Um, and yeah didn't, did not need to be well evidently it wasn't on the list to begin with so did not need to be on the list shouldn't be on the list um, a weird choice as an addition 
to the list. Um, but I would still say of the movies we watched tonight, this is the one I would watch first. Uh, going back, I would still check it toolbox. But this this one to me, is definitely the one that has the most kind of uh, watchability because there's yeah. not an, there's not a lot in the movie that is going to offend you. So No. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, right. Oh, uh, I think we take a break on this penultimate episode. Uh, when we return, we will be closing out the show right after this. Yeah. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man. I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana laser wins every time. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been episode number 23 with reviews of the Toolbox Murders. We've also done a review of Unhinged and one of Visiting Hours. Um, Andy, that that was that was uh, another three movies, and and we only have three left now. Three to go. Yeah, sorry, it's just someone's posting something through my letterbox. Fucking Amazon coming on a Sunday. Oh, what did you get from Amazon? We'll, um, wait, well, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. This, this, uh, Unless it's something rude then. This is real-time delivery happening here. This is this is my <laughs> life. Um, well, my TV, obviously my new TV that I bought a couple of months ago is a smart TV, uh-huh. um, which means I can apparently record on if I connect a hard drive to the back of it. Oh, excellent. But it has to be a dedicated hard drive, so I can't just like stick a USB stick in and then use it on my computer. It, I think the TV formats it to a format that only my TV understands. So I've had to buy a dedicated USB stick, so I can basically record programs onto my telly. The only reason I've bought it is for the World's Strongest Man that's coming up in November and December. Oh, I love some World's Strongest Man. Because I love World's Strongest Man, but I haven't got Sky or anything, so I've got no way of recording it. And because it's just on like Channel 5 in England, I don't think you can get it on Torrents or anything. So... Basically, I've bought like a 64 gig memory stick just to stick in my TV just so I've got the access to be able to like record Strongman and that's what's just turned up. So nothing too exciting. Well, I hope it's not ruined for you like it was ruined for me. I know who wins this year, so... How come? Is it already... 
Ah, oh, it happened months ago, and it's it's on Wikipedia. And the young lad that I work with in the office, I was talking about. We were talking about Christmas traditions, things that you always do over Christmas. Yeah, and yeah. I was saying for the longest time, Christmas tradition in my household has been strongman. It's a it's a British institution over here. At yes. Christmas time, it's shown you watch your strongman, and it's great. But um, he's one of these guys. If I tell him to go and check out a movie. Or tell him to check out a TV show, he'll go and he'll check out what people have said about it online and invariably spoil it for himself. Okay. All right, well, um, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I stay away from... Uh, yeah, don't go near Wikipedia or anything. And he was like that. He's like, I was talking about uh, Hathor Bjornsson, who's like currently my favourite strongman. Yeah. Because uh, I love the Scandinavian strongman and the fact that he's a fucking giant. I love the fact that the media just refers to him as the mountain from Game of Thrones. Because they can't be bothered <laughs> saying world strongman. You know, yeah. half Thor Bjornsson. And I was talking about him and I was like that. I have like strong opinions that he might actually do it this year because he was third two years ago. Last year last year he was second. I was like, he's inevitable rise to power. And yeah. two seconds later he told me who won. So I, I won't say anything else. Okay. But yeah, it was spoiled for me. So um yeah, don't do that. But I'm still looking for it's it's a I, I share your love for the, the If you're really into Strongman doing can check out on YouTube Strength Wars. Oh right. Brilliant. It's this uh, I think a lot of it's like filmed abroad, so some of it's got subtitles and stuff, but they basically like pit a bodybuilder against a powerlifter. Right. Or an Olympic sprinter cyclist against a powerlifter. So, you know, you've got someone who, like, is basically, he, he trains all day lifting weight, but then you put him against the guy that's got, like, 38-inch thighs, and they'll have, like, a squat off. Mm. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. It's awesome. So they'll literally say, like, right, here's 150K. You've, like, got to squat that 25 times, and then they'll have more on. It's just mental. And, like, they do all different, like, events where they just, like, pick three insane events and just go right head-to-head, and they just let them fuck. Sounds like my sort of jam, sir. It's such a laugh, man. Like, me and Rach have literally spent about four hours just watching Strength Wars videos on YouTube. Really good fun. And, like, it's really, like, well-spirited and stuff. They're all obviously, like, like these people are just mates who, um, but sometimes Mm. they'll get, like, a... some real cocky twat who's obviously just been lifting weights for a couple of years and is on steroids, so he looks really muscly. And he'll be giving it the big and going, oh, yeah, I'm going to piss all over these powerlifters. And then, like, they li- they can't even do the fucking weights. It's brilliant. Yeah. So it's like, yes, mate, all yours is just show muscle. How did you think after a couple of years of training you're going to beat someone that literally squats 150 kilos for breakfast? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's- so it's quite funny. Like, some of them, they're really close where it's literally, like, they're one rep behind the other one, and you mm. just oh god, and they like they can only push out one rep at a time because they're so fucked. And it's like oh god, he's gonna win. So much fun. So yeah, check out Strength Wars if you like uh, a bit of world's strongest. Man. I will do. Yeah, really similar thing. It's great. Sold me on it. Totally sold me on it. Um, yeah. Andy, we have three movies to discuss next week. It's our final three movies of nice. uh, doing the nasty. Um, would you like to tell our listeners out there? Right, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen any of these, but actually, I think I might have seen the third one just under a different name. Uh, I haven't seen The Witch Who Came From The Sea. Yeah, I'm going to speak about that one shortly, actually. Okay, but, yep. sounds bizarre. I can't imagine what that's about, and I'm not going to find, I'm not going to look into it. I'm just going to leave it to be a surprise. Like most of these films, if I've not heard of them, I'll kind of leave it that way. So I, when I watch it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a nice surprise. Women <laughs> Behind Bars... Um, yeah, I mean, we know what that's going to be. Uh, <laughs> I thought we'd left this shit behind, but obviously we haven't. 
Uh, so yeah, woman in prison movie, great. Uh, and then Zombie Creeping Flesh, also known as Hell of the Living Dead. Now I think I actually watched that a couple of months ago without realising it was on the list. Ah, right. Um, and I think it was all right. It's just one of them Italian kind of gore fests. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have seen that, but obviously I'll watch it again uh, for the you know for the show. Um, yeah, what were you going to say about The Witch from the Sea? Right, well, th- it's funny that two of those titles you've mentioned are two titles that are currently or about to be released by Arrow. So there you go, Women Behind Bars is an Arrow title, which has been it for a while, it's on Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah, you can check it out on Amazon Prime. Um, and I don't know if you saw it, I was like, incredibly excited about this because um, Arrow had announced that they were doing... They've set like a new website, like a sub website, and uh, promoting this idea of the the Great American Nightmare. Okay, as they were, I think that's what they were calling it. I now, no longer know if that was. Right. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was the the Great American Nightmare or something. Um, which is a series of box sets are releasing. Uh, okay. which uh, I got a wee bit excited about which look at the kind of almost kind of grindhouse uh, like style of it's not specifically solely grindhouse but this kind of uh, grittier side of of American horror cinema through like the, the, the late 60s, 70s and 80s and it's a series of three box sets are done and the very first box set has the witch that came from the sea so I've got mine's pre-ordered um, okay. it is Will on... it come in time? When's it out? No, it's not until January, so oh. I, I'm not getting. But I'd, I'd definitely be collecting all three box sets just because they are. Although the titles will be released individually, you know what I'm like with the, the old collector's edition box sets. Basically... I was wondering if you're going to buy the other Hellraiser because of how nice the box is. The box looks really nice. Really nice, isn't it? It's like a yellowy brown um, yeah. with the uh, lament. I'm... Probably, I probably won't. The thing is, I probably won't rush out to buy it though. The, the thing is, that one's the one that they're just going to have as standard sale, yeah. and Arrow do some wicked sales during the year. Yeah, I imagine that unless I'm wrong, I believe that that's going to be like a collector's box, a box set which isn't limited. So I might just wait off to the next sale, and if it's in there, I'll probably pick it. I'll probably still pick it up because I just like the idea of it. Yeah. Um I think they're still selling the title separately anyway. Um, they are yeah I think this was kind of by popular demand but the way they've knocked up the box I imagine they had this planned all along that they were going to like, re- you know release it you, you toughed it you t- I mean if you're putting out I've said it before you're putting out Hellraiser the the, the the kind of status of that movie just in general if you're Arrow is you know you're going to make a lot of money off that you know you're going to have people paying should we um, quickly talk about while well, uh, we're, we're kind of talking about Hellraiser, the uh, the, the so-called surgeon scene, right? So, I'm, like, I've not really like because I've bought so much, like, literally so much stuff has come in recently. I, I think I'm currently sitting with a backlog of about sixty movies that I bought that I haven't watched, right? Which is bad. Yeah, I've got a problem, Andy. And one of the, like, <laughs> I tend to find myself if it's a movie I've seen before, I tend to watch the special features before the movie. Yeah. Um. So I've been working my way through quite a lot of the special features from the Hellraiser box sets. I haven't watched the movies yet. However, you have. And there was... And I want to stress that Arrow didn't publicise this. Okay. This was picked up by someone else who then started saying that the upcoming Arrow box set will feature the infamous cut surgeon scene in the second one. Now, you have watched the second one. Would you like to clarify it for our listeners out there what this scene entails? Well... 
just while I was waiting to, for Rates to do something before we watched the second one, I just thought I'll have a quick flick through what the special features are. Just so I was waiting for her. So I watched, I flicked over for an interview with uh, Doug Bradley, and he was basically said about like some of the, the interviewer obviously asked him about the surgeon scene, and he said, We never filmed the surgeon scene. He said, Because I was meant to, the way it plays out in the film is that you're not supposed to know that it's Pinhead in behind the surgeon's mask. And he said, if I was, wasn't in makeup, then you'd know that I was Elliot Spencer or whoever it is before Pinhead, so that wouldn't work. And he said, and in the Pinhead makeup, because I've got pins all over my face, the surgeon mask sits about an inch away from my face and it looks stupid. Uh-huh. He said, so we never shot it. He said, there's a photo of us in the surgeon makeup, you know, in the surgeon gowns. There's a photograph, but the, the scene itself was never filmed. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. The next special feature is the surgeon scene. So, okay, this is a bit weird. So I clicked onto the surgeon scene and it's basically like the five-minute scene where the surgeon scene should be. It's completely ropey with no music. It's not been finished properly. It's really like a rough cut of footage. Uh And then where the surgeon scene is supposed to be, they literally insert the photograph of them dressed in the surgeon gear for about five seconds and then cut to the next bit. Oh, that's not good. So there is no surgeon scene. There is a scene that was going to lead up to it, and then you literally get to see the photograph, which you can see anywhere. Um, you know, just Google it. So, yeah, for anyone that was kind of going, oh, my God, the infamous surgeon scene, right, it doesn't exist. It was never shot. Um, so, yeah, you'll be, it, you know, it, I'd never heard of it, to be honest. I just thought, oh, cool, a deleted scene. I watched that. I'd never heard of it, so I didn't. I hadn't got any excitement for this, you know, you know, famous missing surgeon scene. But if anyone's kind of listening that has got the box set and hasn't got around to it, but is is keen to watch it, yeah, you're going to be disappointed, I'm afraid. Um, but like you say, it, it's not Arrow that have made a big deal of this. Someone else has just gone, oh my god, the surgeon scene's in there, and, yeah. and it isn't. Um, yeah, because it was getting it was getting posted. Like someone posted it first, and then it was all over like tons of websites as like a selling point. Um, Certainly, once again, not the reason I bought the box set. <laughs> so, um, no, me neither. Like yeah. I said, I, I didn't even I hadn't even heard of the surgeon scene until about a week before it came out. And I'd, I'd already ordered it by then. So yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. So, Andy. Yeah. We have one more show of reviews. Yeah. Then we come back with one more show, which will be episode number twenty-five, That's and right. episode twenty-five will finish doing the nasty. Yeah. Um, the show will will then hang up its microphones uh, as we look back over the twenty four episodes that we have already recorded and put like we'll answer some questions. We'll put that out for the the listeners to submit some questions for us. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, and we will cover some some of like we were saying earlier on movies that are still banned or were banned in this country uh, out with the nasty scandal um, and yeah it's, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun like, like I said before kind of sad that the show is kind of coming to its natural conclusion but um, at the same time another I'm the same as you we're dealing with three movies next week I've seen none of them so yep. uh, I can't wait to to finally get a chance to sit down and finish out the nasty list. It's going to be know. awesome. Yeah, who would, have, who would have thought it? Who would have thought an idea who last December, it? almost a year ago, that idea yeah. from you and me chatting on a 
a Facebook Messenger feed has resulted in this. And um, it did seem that thing where, oh my god, you, got, you sent me the show, like the schedule, and it was yeah. like, fucking hell, we're going to be doing this till the end of November, really? But yeah, and it's look how quick it's come around. It's flown in. It's absolutely flown in. So yeah, I just want to once again thank everyone out there who's been checking out the show. I think out with maybe one month. And our 11-month stint on Horophilia, this show has made the top 10 of the downloads. Either one or both shows in that month have made the top 10, which is fucking huge. It is, yeah. Uh, and very humbling to, to two guys that just did this on a whim. Uh, yeah. And once again, we need to thank everyone that's downloaded the show and thank Jason Lloyd of Horophilia Podcasting Network, who gave us a home. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm getting all sentimental and sappy now. We're gonna take uh, we're gonna take our uh, our leave of you now, uh, and we'll speak to you all in a fortnight. But please take care of yourselves out there. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Please? Yeah, bye, bye, bye. Next, they were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.